0: Father in heaven, we come to you because we dare not come to another. You are the only one that can give us the grace needed to live day by day. We pray for your presence in this moment that this room would continue to be filled with the power of your Holy Spirit and God that we will make much of you in this moment. I pray that you would have hide my flesh behind the cross and that you would be exalted and I will simply be a vessel, a sinner that you have chosen to use this morning. In Christ's name, I pray, and everybody say, Amen. There's something about stories, something about stories that grab our attention and draw in our affections, and at ease, grab our undivided attention. And this seems to be the case at a very early age. My son loves when I tell him bedtime stories. And whenever I fail to do so, he hops out of the bed and he runs over to my room. He says, Daddy, you forgot to read me a bedtime story. And I must be honest with you all this morning. Being the sinner that I am, when I'm tired, I have denied some of those requests. Of course, with a broken heart, I had to justify myself. Isn't that right? Wouldn't be a good sinner if I didn't, right? But the guy would run to my room and ask me to... Read him a bedtime story. Many of the stories that we have heard in our childhood all have the same two main characters, a good guy and a bad guy. Of course, we all imagine ourselves as being the good guy. The the superhero, the one that saves the day, the one that rescues everyone from their problems, we love to imagine ourselves as being the superhero. And many stories usually display a human being who is unwanted, who is unloved, who is marginalized by society. And the only loved ones that individual has is the animals in the forest. That's a sad thing to have a deer as your best friend. It's borderline crazy, to be honest with you. And usually a fairy godmother comes into the story and and changes that individual's life. And consequently, the once marginalized has become great so that they can become loved. I mean the stories that we read. Those who are low, those who are marginalized, become great in order that they might become love. And these childhood stories become the pursuit and the reality for many of us. We begin to try to become great so that we can become love. But friends and family, that has not been the case with our stories in the room, has it? Those who have been set free, those who have been saved, we carry a different narrative, a narrative that does not depict us as being the superhero. Instead, a narrative that depicts us as being weak, stories that expose us as being needy, Stories that expose us as being depraved and broken. Stories that display us as being the bad guy are the stories we have in this room. We all have stories in the room, testimonies. What's your story? As a falling human being, we we, we have stories of, of shame, some of guilt, some of pain, some of hurt, and some of shame. And our stories are not mainly about how broken we are. It is not mainly about how evil we are or how much we have been mistreated. Although these things are valid and they are absolutely true. Rather, our stories have been transformed and even engulfed, if you will, in a greater story with how love we are in spite of our depravity. Our stories have a twist to it. The superhero actually dies for the villain in this great story. Our stories serve a greater story. And God has given us a small story that they may point to the bigger story. And each of our stories in this room connects to the bigger picture. Our stories are as streams that pour out from the ocean or sunbeams that find their source from the massive sun. Our stories serve the story of Christ, a great story that speaks about how love we are and how great this God and king truly is. Encapsulated in these stories are texts like, but God shows his love for us. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, Romans 5, 8. Since therefore we have been justified by his blood, much more then shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God, Romans 5, 9. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things, Romans eight thirty. Two, for our sake, he made him who knew no sin to be sin that we might become the righteousness of God. Second Corinthians 5 21. And thus it is written that Christ should suffer, and on the third day rise from the dead. And these verses, family and friends, point us to the gospel. Jesus Christ, the one who has changed our stories and indeed has given us new life through this message, the gospel. God sends his son into this dark world. He's really God. He's really man. He's full of life. He's radiant in divine life. He lives a perfect life fulfills the whole law, dies in the place of sinners, as ordained by the Father, absorbs all the wrath of God for all those who believe, forgives all their sins, take away all their guilt, rises from the dead, triumphant over death, hell and Satan, ascends, rules with infinite power, will come again, give eternal life to all those who believe. There is no greater news. And oh, how many of us have been transformed by this. How many chains in this room have been broken because of this message? How many lives have been restored because of the gospel? How, how, how hasn't the gospel given us wings to fly? The gospel, God sends his son and he sets us free. And who the son sets free? They're free indeed, and we hold it dear in our hearts every day. It is this message that found you in your darkness. It is this message that found you in your hopeless situation. It is this message that has brought you out of darkness and into God's marvelous light. It is this message that has caused our dead hearts in this room to start beating again. And this message has given us a story of hope and triumph. However, God has not given us these stories, these testimonies to hoard and to keep to ourselves. God did not give us these stories that, that, that we may stay among Christians, but instead God has given us these testimonies that we may go out into the world. Yeah. And do not think for one second that God got out of the business of writing new beginnings when he saved you. God is still in the business of writing new stories and new testimonies. God is still passionately seeking to change stories. God wants to change lives because change lives equals change stories. God wants to use you. He wants to use each of you in this room as a vessel to change lives. God wants to write new stories through you. Jesus makes this crystal clear to his disciples before leaving earth. He says in Matthew, go therefore and what? Make disciples of what? Of all nations. That's all people everywhere. Not just your ethnicity, but all people. And there it is there in the text. Got a problem? Talk to the Bible. That's so it's good to preach the word because people could take up their issues with God. I mean, take up your issues with me. I mean, he said it, I didn't. Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples Okay, so this is not complicated, right? Jesus says, go and make disciples. Now, I want to focus in on this two-letter word here, this, this powerful two-letter word. Most of us learned it in kindergarten. That's if, that's if you passed kindergarten. I hope you did. <laughs> Most of us learned this two-letter word in kindergarten, the word go. And G-O, the green light means it means go. And in the Greek, watch this, in the Greek, the word go means go. I know you're looking for something profound, but it just means go. Depart, away, make a, or take a journey. In other words, God is saying, get out of here. Go, move. God's desire for you is to go. It is an action verb, which means God is calling you to do something. Now, we must recall That someone had to go in order for us to be reached. The reason why you were reached with the gospel is because someone decided to obey the green light and go. And you're in this place. And I'm not talking about this building. I'm talking about the place of salvation in Christ. Because someone decided to go. Someone decided to move and seek you out. That's why you are here. None of us got into God's kingdom because we were lucky. We didn't get into God's kingdom because we were cute. None of those are the reasons you are in the kingdom of God. When you were found, when you were located, you were not in a good place. If we were to be honest, this morning, when, when we came to Jesus, we were, we were not in the best of all places, I'm talking about the state of your soul. We were tied to all kinds of stuff. Craziness. How many crazy folks in the room? Don't raise your hand. Some of us were depressed. Some of us was looking for love in all the wrong places. Some of us were struggling with anxiety, toxic relationships, arrogance, self-righteousness. We were a mess when we were found by God. We were not pure, but filthy, but God met us where? In our garbage. Isn't it a beautiful thing that the holy God of the universe met us in our mess? He met us in our garbage. He walked among us. When I was 16 years old, I had my first child. Didn't stop me. I was still arrogant. I was prideful. I was angry. I was lustful. I was a slave to pornography. And oh, do I know what it is to have sin grip around your soul and to hold you in a place of darkness. I mean, there are times when sin feels so good and you, you think you can fly. I know, I know the confusion that it brings to our life when we are in darkness. We, we stumble in darkness, always doing, but never truly accomplishing, always lost, always searching. Why? Because Dexter Harris wanted to do things his way. Yeah, yeah. And I was searching for something, but I was always left empty. How about you? Stumble around in darkness, feeling alone. Your sin was killing you. But in my sin walks a man into the bank and he told me about his Bible study. His name was Richard Kennedy. And that Bible study transformed my life. He listened to me. He heard my situation and he cared for my soul. God sent someone he had saved to me. He sent someone to tell me the good news and brought me up in the faith. Richard Kennedy decided to go. Do you know those who decide to go this morning? Those who are ready to take the command of Jesus serious? I'll tell you those who are ready to go. It it is all those who are in awe of how God has completely changed their life by Jesus Christ. Those are those who go, who are astonished by the love of God. Paul says this, for the love of God controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all. Therefore, all have died. And he died for all that those who live might not no longer live to what? For themselves But for who? But for him who for their sakes died and was raised. We go when the love of God compels us. We must not go on the basis of obligation. We must not go because we have to. Our fuel must be the love of the Father. Right? It's, it's okay to know what go means. It means to go. But you need gas to actually go. And the gas by which we must run must be the love of the Father. We must go. And all of what he has done, it can It is relentless. It is a consuming fire. It is a voice that says we desire to hear more transformational gospel center stories because it shows the greatness of God. We don't want to stay in our four walls. We don't want to just stay among Christians. We love you, but we don't want to just stay among you. We want to be in every coffee shop. We want to be in every museum. We want to be in every school. We want to be everywhere the lost is. We want to be lights in a dark world that we may meet those who have yet to come, who have yet to see, who have yet to hear, who have yet to taste that Christ is good. They are thirsty, and we have living water. They are hungry, and we just sung, and we have the bread of life. They are scared of death, and we have the resurrection of life. They are lost, and we know the good shepherd. Listen, God's love does not stay still, but it must move. It must go. You can't contain the love of God when it is inside of you. You can't hoard it to yourself. You can't keep it a secret. When you've been loved that great, you will go. You will go. It causes you to cut the TV off and go. It causes you to say, not my will be done but your will be done. It causes people to be thrown in cages with lions before they are willing to stop sharing the message of the gospel. It causes us to choose him over our own lives. This love is not a game. We're not playing games here. God' love is moving. People are dying and going to hell, and we got to go. Amen. The ministry of Epic happened... Right here in this building. And it started with four guys. And now we serve over 100 teens every week. Bethel Church decided to go and be among them. Bethel had a vision to go. And here was the vision. Here's the current vision of Bethel Church Bethel Church exists to multiply disciples through multiple sites and multiple partnerships. In in our, I'm sorry, let me read that again. Bethel Church exists to multiply disciples through multiple sites and multiple partnerships. And in our going, in Bethel going into the city of Gary, taking the Great Commission serious, we met people, real people, that have stories, that have lives. We met Saquon, a young boy that lives right behind our building. We met Kendall who lives over on 4th. We met Walter, who lives on the west side of Gary. We met Matthew, who used to live on the west side of Gary. We met Tyree, who now lives in Portage. We met Tay, who lives a block from the church. We met Amara, who's a young lady, who lives a couple blocks down from here. We met Dee, her sister, who lives a couple blocks from here. We met Devante, a young man who was lost. We met Johnny. We met Warren. And I could go on. All of them have stories. And each name my heart beats for because we decided to go and God gave us people, real people with real issues, with real circumstances that needed the love of God. If we stay in our homes, they don't hear about Jesus. Say Quan stays lost, Kendall stays lost, Walter stays lost while we stand on our feet and praise the God and watch him go to hell. How can we? So when we go, we will meet people. When we go, we'll meet the woman in the city at the corner with her red lipstick on, maybe her skinny jeans. In our high heels, waiting at the stoplight, carrying the burden of going home to an abusive relationship. When we go, we'll meet the man sitting on the crate with an old McDonald's cup, asking for change and carrying a thought of suicide. When we go, we'll meet the college student. who who is going after his career and has a promising future but is addicted to partying and all different kinds of substance. When we go, we're going to meet all kinds of people. But here's the bottom line, church. We can't afford not to go. The opposite of go is stop, and we can't afford to stop. People need Jesus. So when we go, we don't just go. We go with a purpose. We go with an aim. We're not just going to make their life better. We're not just going ultimately because we like doing good works. We're not ultimately going because we want to make friends. We're not ultimately going so that we can build up our self-esteem or build up our Facebook friends. That's not the main reason we're going. Jesus makes it crystal clear while we're going. We're going to make disciples. We're going to make disciples followers of Jesus he says this he says go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you and behold I am with you always to the end of the age friends we are going with a relentless desire to make disciples The go is the easy verb in comparison to the verb make. It is the hard verb because when you make something, you alter something so that it forms or constitutes to something else. That's what God did to you, right? He made you new. He conformed you into the image of Jesus. And he made you start looking like Jesus. Amen. Anybody getting further in their walk with Christ since you've been saved? If you don't raise your hand, that's a scary thing. If you can't say amen, say ouch. If you can't say amen, say ouch. He formed us into his image, and now he's calling us to teach and instruct other people that they may be conformed into his image as well. But here's the thing. The only way they learn how to look like Christ is if we show them. We can't show them if we don't know them and they don't know us. If we are going to make disciples, we have to we have to get into people's lives. Amen. We have to find them in their in their mess and get in there with them. Amen. We have to do life with them. Simply put, we have to spend time with them. Yes. Teaching them to observe all that Christ had commanded us in his word. And this all happens in the context of community. That's why God has given us the church, that we may all help in the conforming of these individuals as they are being discipled. God has given this charge to his church. And this is really easy, right? Jesus shows us how to do this. Kimberry always says, "If, if you want to know how to make disciples, look at Jesus, right? I mean, it doesn't take rocket science. You want to look at the best way to make disciples? You look at Jesus. He took... His 12 disciples, almost everywhere he went. Everywhere Jesus went? Almost everywhere. There they were, Amen. watching him. And eventually, he empowered them to do what he was doing. Amen. He ate with them. Is it hard? I mean, everybody likes eating, right? Come on, man. You can disciple people over a meal. Give you a good reason to eat something, right? You can disciple people over a meal. Jesus spent, I really want to slow down here, but Jesus spent quality time with them. And he cared for their souls. Too often, we as church people, as religious people, we want to get them in the Christianity system without knowing them or loving them or taking taking concern for who they really are. Jesus slowed down his life, although he runs the universe, to love and to cry and to mourn and to talk and to love on people. People are not science projects. We look back like, how are we supposed to reach them? They're just like you. Hello. They got problems and issues just like you. When you get in, you find out, oh, they're a sinner just like me. And they need grace and they need love. And it's it's not hard. It is simple. We are not making robots. Let us slow down and care for the disciples we are making. Let us love them. Let us listen to them. Let us be concerned about them. God of the universe cried with them. But not only did he care for their souls, Jesus corrected them. He pointed them in the right direction. The Holy Spirit will give you power as you disciple to teach and to instruct. But you got to be in the word. And as we do life with them, As we walk with them, as we talk with them, as we get to know them, and as we're growing in the word, the spirit will show you how to connect it with their lives. God will make opportunities for the gospel. He will. I promise you that he will because he wants them to know the gospel more than you do. I have an example of this. Uh, Just the other day, um, I mentioned Walter earlier and some of the names I was kind of rambling off. And uh, Walter uh, went to his house, and he said, hey, Dex, can you take me to pay my phone bill? I said, absolutely, man, let's go. So we hopped in my car, and we begin to head towards Maryville And uh, he said, hey, Dex, um, do you mind checking out a song for me? I was like, sure. He was like, man, I just I just, I just want your opinion. So he throws in some J. Cole, and, you know, my head get the moving. You know, I'm like, okay, okay, okay. Beats nice or whatever. And then I started to listen to what J. Cole was saying. And to make a long story short, J. Cole was simply saying that, hey, God justifies us on the basis of his knowledge of knowing that we're sinners. And so uh, he said, so what do you think about that? I said, well, you, uh, you want honesty? I was like, well, I don't agree with it. And in that moment, I began to explain to him how God actually justifies us, not on the basis of knowing that we're sinners, because of knowing that we're sinners means that we're going to hell, but he justifies us on the basis of the finished work of Jesus Christ. And if you believe in Jesus, then God forgives you and calls you a son of God. What happened there? Simply, we're just driving, right? We're just kicking it, and God makes an opportunity for the gospel, but you got to be ready and you got to go. That conversation didn't come overnight. That was two and a half years of walking with that man to get to that place. A lot of times we expect people to change overnight. And you know you ain't changed overnight. You still, you, you, we be so quick to judge. Boy. God should have took us out for what we did in our sleep last night. We ain't. All right, all right. Two and a half years of walking patiently. Sometimes he aggravates me. He gets me mad. But I got to remember that God gives me a whole lot of grace. I've been in the game 10 years, but I got a long way to go. Anybody got a long way to go? Amen, amen. Now, many of us may have thoughts in our head of intimidation about going and making. You say, Dexter, that's... That's hard for me. I'm not, I'm not a real friendly person. You don't understand what I did yesterday. You don't understand how short I fall. Can I encourage you, if you are stuck in some sin, first and foremost, to repent, and secondly, to turn your eyes to Jesus. Amen. Turn your eyes to Jesus. Get your eyes off yourself. Discipleship is not about you. That's not about me. We don't do it in our strength. We don't do it in our power. Turn your eyes to Jesus. Turn your eyes to Christ, because what we see sandwiched between these two amazing verbs, go and make Jesus promises and he gives a statement. Jesus says this. He says, Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth have been what given to me. Now, I really want you guys to see this because this is really going to encourage you. This is really going to empower you. Before Jesus tells them to do anything, he reminds them of who he is. God never, 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 never tells us to do anything with his hope in us. He tells us to put our hope in him. As we do, as we go, God is not dependent on you. You are dependent on God. Understand that. Let's make that crystal clear. You are expendable. God is going to get his mission done with you or without you. All authority. I mean, he's moving, right? If I got all authority, think of some things I'll be doing, right? right? God has all authority. He's doing stuff. He's moving. And he's not dependent on you, but you are dependent on him. In context, Jesus has just overcame the grave. He's just defeated the world. He's did the most awesome thing that any human being will ever do in the history of human history. I kind of confused myself there of human history. You guys get what I'm saying, though. (laughs) But Jesus is the greatest, right? And he comes to them, and he says, go and make disciples. But before he tells them that, he says, hey, I want you to know that all authority has been given unto me. Paul says, therefore, in Philippians, God has highly exalted him. And bestowed on him the name that is above every name. Yes. So that at the name of Jesus. Every knee. Should bow. Let's let that marinate for a minute. Your knee is going to bow. In heaven. And on earth. And under the earth. In every tongue. Will confess. Jesus Christ is Lord Amen. to the glory of who of God the Father when he tells them all authority he means all Amen. when he says all authority he has authority over Satan yes. and all demons yes. over all angels good and evil yes. over the natural universe Natural objects, laws and forces, stars and galaxies, planets, meteorites, authority over all weather systems, wind, rain, lightning, thunder, tornadoes, monsoons, typhoons, cyclones. Authority over all their effects, tidal waves, floods, fire, authority over the molecular automatic reality, amatons, electrons, protons, neutrons, undiscovered things like bacteria and all of these other things. He has authority over... Everything. He has authority over all plants and animals, great and small, whales and birds, giant squids and giant oaks, all fish, all wild beasts, all invisible animals, bacteria and viruses. He has authority over all parts and functions of the human body every beat of the heart, of every breath, of every diaphragm, every electrical uh, impulse that is moving in your brain, Jesus has authority over it. He has authority over all nations, all governments, presidents. Doesn't matter who they are. They're not outside of his jurisdiction. He has authority over all of them. He has authority over every army, every bomb, every terrorist. Jesus rules over it. He has authority over entertainment, entertainers including Drake, Nicki Minaj, Kodak Jack Black, Will Smith, John Lezen, Justin Bieber, Taylor Swift, and oh, not to forget, New Edition in amusement, in leisure, in media, in Facebook, in Snapchat. He is Lord over all of it. And he has authority over all crime and violence. Over all families, he has authority over your circumstances, he has authority over your situations, he has authority over neighborhoods, he has authority over churches, over your soul, in every moment of every life that has happened, this great God in King is ruler. And when he says go and to make disciples, you make sure you keep that in mind, that your God has all authority. He's running everything. I mean, as we go... Even in Gary to do discipleship, some people say, Dex, are you scared to go in certain neighborhoods? He has all authority, bro. I thought Bro, bro, like he has all authority, bro. Like I'm really not worried because because God got me, right? If he wants me to go, I'm gonna go. Right? That's our confidence. There is nothing in heaven or on earth or over which Jesus does not have authority. And he has the right and the power to do as he pleases. There is no restrictions on God. The scope and the magnitude of the authority of Jesus is infinite because Jesus is one with God the Father. So I have to say, know who your God is. When we go and make disciples, we go in the power of the risen Christ. When Bethel, Gary was planted, it was planted in power and is planted in power, not because of who we are, but because of who we serve. This God is lofty and high, but he is also gentle and low because he goes on and say, he promises them and behold, I'm with you for how long? Always. I'm with you every single moment of every single day. I am walking with you. So if God is for us, well, who can be against us? You don't have to be scared because Christ is what? He is with you. He has given you the Holy Spirit. He has chosen to indwell in you. Your pastor may not go with you. Your, 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 the, the person that you look up to, the spiritual giant, may not go with you, but God can go everywhere with you. Amen. He is always with you. The God that raises the dead. Dwells in you. The creator of all things dwells in you. The one who does the impossible dwells in us. And Jesus comforts our soul with that promise. That he will always be with us. Sort of like a mom to her child. I'm with you. And he says, go and make. But do not go alone. You will not go alone. Know how I want you to see this. God that has all authority says, he is a ever present with little old me. We don't have to be great because he's great already. All we have to do is point to him. It is far better for Jesus to say that he is with you than to have all the money in the universe. And to have all the armies that have ever existed. It is better for the infinite God of the universe to say that he's with you than to have all of those things. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Jeremiah 31, 33. And I will not turn away from them to do good. Jeremiah 3240. I will work everything together for their good. Romans 828. I will help you, I will strengthen you, and I will uphold you with my right hand so that we can face the worst threats and say, as the Apostle Paul says, everyone deserted me, but the Lord stood by me and gave me strength. Everybody in your life may forsake you. Your mom may forsake you. Your dad may forsake you. Your children may forsake you. Your job may forsake you, but God will not leave you. He will stay with you. Some people leave us when they find out who we really are and how and and how glorious that we're not and how cute that we're not and they walk out of our lives. But there is a love that is unmovable, that is unshakable, that is always with you, and it is the love of God. So are you weak? He is strong. Are you broken? He is the potter. Jesus loves all of his children, all of his children in the world. They are weak, but he is strong. We do not, we do not, we do not, we do not make disciples in our own strength, but in his. All you need is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is sufficient enough to change the most wretched heart. So when he says go, let us go in his power. Let us go in his love. Let us go in his strength. When we make disciples, let us make it in his power. Let us make them in his love. Let us make him as we abide in his strength. God is the one who saves. God is the one who sets free. God is the one who gives life. God is the one who calls their ears to hear. God is the one who causes them to come to Him. All you have to do is go. And so, what is stopping you, believer? What is stopping you from going? To go. God has 10,000 things that He wants to do with your life when you step out in faith and go and make disciples. Are you not active and going? There is a young man waiting for his life to be invested into. And to get real serious here, get down to business. There is a young lady somewhere that God has for you to invest into. There's someone who's hurting that God has for you. What about that coworker you've been hesitating to speak to? What about that neighbor you yet to invite over your house? God wants to use you. What is stopping you from abandoning all the comforts of this world and to get on mission with God? God is found amongst lost people. God is moving, and he is saving, and he wants to use you. It is happening all week long here at Bethel Gary. Do you know why Kim Berry runs an after school program? We do it because we want to reach kids. We want to teach them. We want to tutor them. But most of all, we want to build relationships that it may lead to discipleship. That's why we do what we do. Why do we open up the building on Friday nights? We want to reach lost souls. We want to rub against their shoulders. We want to get to know them, that it may lead to discipleship. Whatever you do, let it lead to what? Discipleship. That is our mission. If you want to know where God is, he's saving people. And I promise you, when you go and make disciples, you will find him there with you in power. So as we leave this place, let us go to our workplaces. Let us go to the local coffee shops. Let us go to the library. And as we do, let us remember that we do not go alone. For Romans eight twenty nine says, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called, And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then should we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how would he not also with him graciously give us what? All things. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised. Who is at the right hand of God? Who indeed is interceding for us? And who should separate us from the love of Christ? So tribulations or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, it is written for your sake. We are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors. No, in all of these things, God still loves us. We cannot see no other love that is greater than this. As you go, the love of God goes with you. And can we take a minute this morning? I want us to pause very quietly let's close our eyes and I want you to pray that the Holy Spirit will guide you and ask the Lord who is it that you would have me reach what would you have me do